Christ above us, Christ below us, Christ before us, Christ behind us, Christ beside us, Christ with us. Amen. Um, I want everyone to turn to page six in their bulletin. And you'll notice uh, the Reverend Dr. Simon J. Mannering. I am not him. (laughs) Probably puzzled. You're like, wow, he looks like Tim, and he's got this great fake American accent now. Uh, Simon um, is fine, but he he got some kind of bug and got faint during the first service. And and so um, he was preaching today, and... Made it through our parish meeting at 9 o'clock. Those of you that were there, that was wonderful. Um, but now um, has, has gone on home to rest. But he, he's fine. And so um, on my way out of the parish meeting, I was informed that I was preaching this morning. <laughs> and I was given the option of reading his sermon. But, you know, I can never, you'll never believe that I was ever that smart. <laughs> but... Um, I have read this gospel before. Um, <laughs> and I've, ex- I've experienced some things uh, that I think I can relate to this, and I've even preached on it before. So um, with your indulgence, we're going to have uh, a talk, a homily, um, pray maybe even a sermon this morning. Um, I've always found this little bit of the gospel kind of puzzling um, because it, it, it just kind of breaks in in the middle of things. Um, Jesus, as we know, is on his way to Jerusalem and we're getting to the closing scenes and uh, the time that he's spending with his disciples, you know, hinting at what's to come. And we're given some idea that, that, that he knows and sometimes we might think that's a prophetic thing, a visionary thing that he's seen. I also think that Jesus just knows the score. Um, he knows that he has been pushing people uh, towards thinking some new things about God and some new things about authority. And these new things that he's teaching them, namely this, this self-giving God, is very different from what anyone has seen or known before. His people have been under the boot heels of the Roman Empire as long as anyone can remember. And you know, one of the things that's kind of interesting, um, a decision we made in our liturgy, is we say over and over again in our liturgy, uh, we refer to Jesus as Lord. And our liturgical commission has versions of our liturgy that, that change Lord out for Savior, because Lord is a, harkens back to you know, feudalistic times. But back in Jesus' day, to say Jesus is Lord was an act of treason because Caesar was supposed to be Lord. And if you can envision, there were probably plenty of faithful uh, Jewish people back in his day who, um, and some, some of the rulers made folks come up and toss a pinch of incense on and go, Caesar is Lord. And I, I picture people going, yeah, 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 Caesar is Lord. But Jesus is saying, no, um, Jesus is Lord. Uh, It's a very different uh, kind of revolutionary statement. Um, People to call him Lord meant that they were saying that the authorities that they knew were not Lord. And those authorities ruled over 
the world that they lived in, um, not with persuasion, um, not with uh, the, pow- the power of the ballot box, um, not even with bread and circuses, as some rulers of Rome said. They, they ruled over them with violence. And so Jesus knows the score. He knows that he's headed towards this place called Jerusalem, which ironically enough means a place of peace, which we all know it's very seldom been a peaceful place. It still isn't a peaceful place. So he knows what's going on. And yet in the middle of this, a woman of all people um, and, and their uh, little clatch of folks, uh, it would have been unusual uh, to read this story in a very patriarchal society and have a woman break in on this scene. And not only does a woman break in on this scene, she breaks a jar of this very expensive ointment, perfumed ointment on Jesus, uh, not even on his head, but on his feet. And she washes his feet with it and, and, and wa- uses her hair to wash his feet in this beautiful act of giving love for him. And she, she models for all the people sitting around them what Jesus is about to do for them. And one of the things that makes me just absolutely crazy about running a church, um, and I first learned this working in an in a, in a Episcopal school, is to be sitting in a meeting of folks and to have someone go, well, this place ought to be run like a business. And, you know, I get it when people say that, of course, you know. Um, we usually, in our leadership, we have lots of people that work in finance, lots of people. Um, I think we have a few lawyers, maybe. Um, and, and so we get it. Yeah, we should follow good practices, be good stewards of our money, and that sort of thing. Yes, of course. Um, be really meticulous with that stuff. But a church is not a business. And Judas breaks in with that voice. You know, we ought to run this operation like a business. We could have sold that stuff and taken some of that money and give it, given it to the poor, and he could have pocketed some of it. Um, and he... Uh, yells at Mary and Jesus because she's done this very wasteful thing. And see, uh, we're called to do these wasteful things with what we have. Mary loves Jesus wastefully. Um, Mary does not run the disciple operation like a business. The first thing she thinks of when she has that jar of ointment is, I'm going to wash his feet with this so he will know beyond the shadow of a doubt as we head into whatever is next, which Mary was a woman, so she probably understood too, better than a lot of the men did, I would think. Before we head into whatever's next, I'm going to make sure he knows that I love him. Make sure he knows that I understand this notion of wasteful love, and she demonstrates that before him right there. So we too are headed towards Jerusalem this week. Um, we're headed into Holy Week on Sunday. We'll, we'll start our Holy Week out in the courtyard. Um, it'll be confusing and chaotic um, and hopefully uh, a little bit beautiful. We'll come in here. We'll head towards uh, Monday, Thursday and Good Friday in the Easter Vigil, what we call the Triduum. We head towards Jerusalem as a church. 
And this is not just meant to be a, a yearly ceremony that we pass through on our way to Easter in, in the Easter brunches and Easter egg hunts and wonderful naps that we all get to take in the afternoon. Um, no. It's meant to be our opportunity to have that same anticipation for Jerusalem that Mary had. That same anticipation of experiencing again, remembering again, this self-giving love of God that is about to be told to us in several different ways and in several different kinds of stories and in music and in preaching. And so as, as we remember that then, um, carry this image into Holy Week. What is it you carry in your hand What is it that you have that you can break open at the feet of the Savior in order to love God wastefully, and better yet, in order to love one another wastefully? Because, see, the point of all this violence we're heading into next week isn't that God is very angry with us right now, and that God forced his son or required his son to go in uh, to this violent city full of uh, people who wanted to kill him and had him killed to satisfy that bloodlust and that anger um, set up by Adam's sin and Eon before. No. I don't know about you, but I don't want to follow that God. That God is a maniac. The point of it all is that We follow a God who headed into Jerusalem in the face of empire and in the face of so many other choices that he could have made. And rather than turn to violence, he laid down his life. He gave of himself even on to death out of love for not just for us, but for all humanity, to offer for all humanity a new way of being together, a new way of loving that isn't run like a business that doesn't keep track of profit and loss, but a new way of loving that loves wastefully, that heaps its gifts at the feet of one another and at the feet of our Savior.